Our guest for this week's episode of The Space in Between has an unusual hobby and an amazing collection. He owns hockey sticks from every 500 goal scorer in the NHL, and he has the stories to go along with each of the sticks. Please welcome Tom Scanlon for the love of the game. Good morning, Tom, and and thanks so much for agreeing to be on the show. I'm really excited to talk to you about your rather interesting hobby. So you have been collecting hockey sticks from all the 500 goal scorers in the NHL. Let's begin by you telling me a little bit about how this passion for collecting hockey sticks began. I'd like to tell you, Blake, that all my life I've been a collector, but I stumbled on this in terms of being a hockey fan. I am a huge fan. I've been a fan all my life. I go back to when, when I was a kid, when hockey only came on Saturday night, we didn't get to see the first period. We had to wait and see how the Leafs were doing. And I, I remember being a kid, I could go down and get tickets. I could get standing room at Maple Leaf Gardens. And we used to get the tickets and we'd keep us down below. And then the gate would open and you'd run up to stand behind the Blues. And of course, I was only about 14. So I was quite quick. So I managed to get front row blues for many games. And I've also been known to sneak into Maple Leaf Gardens uh, for practices. Uh, I was a kid. I remember going in and getting by the guard with my brother. And we sat still about 20 rows up from the, the bench. And of course, the anyone saw you, they assumed you were one of the players' kids. And I recall my brother and I still laugh about the fact that we heard the players swear. I mean, I heard Davy Keon use the F word. I was, I was astounded. Just threw me right off. But I, I came to live with it and accept it. And so I've, I've been a hockey player all my life. But the actual collecting, I haven't been a collector all my life. So uh, I saw something in the paper that Teeter Kennedy was selling his Stanley Cup ring, which is sad. I think this happened to a lot of the players that didn't make much money um, when mm-hmm. they played. Anyway, my dad's a huge Teeter Kennedy fan. So I decided... I'd go on this auction site and bid on it. And I did, but the price got too high being about $3,000. Wow. In retrospect, I wish I had bought it, but I, I gave up on it thinking it's too much money. But by then, I was on the mailing list of the auction house. And the auction house sends out these magazines for their yeah, two or three auctions a year. And the, the magazines themselves are just a piece of art. They're gorgeous. So... I got this latest one. This is back in 2012. And on one page, they showed 42 hockey sticks all lined up. And they said that these are all game-used, guaranteed game-used sticks of everyone that's in the 500 Gold Club. And I don't know, I was just enamored with it. I'm also quite competitive, and I ended up getting on the auction site the night of the auction and I kept bidding and it ended up there was just two of us really going at it and it got to be about midnight and at that point it was supposed to be closed but they as long as someone's bidding they'll keep it up so I made a bid around one o'clock in the morning and I said that's it I'm going to bed and I'll see you in the morning if I won and I got up in the morning I didn't sleep that well and turned the computer on and my name in the auction site was Tommy Boy and I looked at the screen that said Congratulations, Tommy boy, <laughs> one of the sticks. So I went in to share the good news with my wife, who gave me that that look where, good for you, Tommy. <laughs> but somewhat reluctant, knowing 42 hockey sticks were about to uh, ascend on her house. So 
that's how I ended up getting it. Wow. And maybe this isn't an appropriate question, but can you tell us what you paid for that collection? When I got it, the Toronto Star actually wanted to write a piece on it. Uh, Cameron will, will be familiar with their one of their more famous writers, Louise Brown, who came over to write a story about it. And I, she asked me that same price. I wasn't that um, comfortable with giving her the actual price. So I, I think I put it in the words of, like buying a compact car. So, <laughs> you know, and you know, here's the funny thing. The Toronto Star, they ran with the piece and I knew it was going to be in, but I didn't know it was going to be on the front page. <laughs> and it was on the front page of the Saturday paper. And I woke up in the morning and when I turned on my computer, there was 20 emails from people all over the world who used the Toronto Star as their news item or the circulation of 800,000. And it was unbelievable. All of a sudden, I was getting phone calls from radios and it just came right out of the blue. But Were they just interested in the collection itself? These are people that, like maybe someone I went to high school with that I hadn't heard from for years. It wasn't the strangers. There was a couple people that somehow got my email address, but no, it's mostly old friends. Everybody <laughs> caught me off guard. In fact, I went to the corner store to, to buy five newspapers for my kids, and the guy looks at me and goes, why are you buying five newspapers? And so I point to the picture on the front page, and I point to my face, and I thought he'd wet his pants. He just jumped. Whoa! What's this all about? It was quite something. Now, Tom, are these, are these autographed? So... When they came in, I would say of the 42, about 20 were autographed. And so in the past eight years, one of the real fun things about these six is my efforts to get them autographed. And I've probably picked up, and my kids have helped me with this too, 10 new autographs from the time that I got them. And so I, I used to laugh at these people they go to these autograph sessions and they line up for hours sometimes to get an autograph i'm as keen as anybody if i need the autograph but one of the astounding things about taking the sticks and meeting the players is how much how enamored they are with their sticks i've got lots of examples matt sundin sitting there for an hour just kind of he's smiling but just signing photograph after photograph or sweaters or whatever and then suddenly it's my turn to go up to him and he goes whoa right away they know it's their stick i always ask them do you know when you use that stick and it's remarkable like matt sundin looked at it for a minute and said go back nordiques my second year and and they they want to hold the stick i had joe Newendike literally stood up and he started bending the stick and i thought if he breaks it <laughs> He's got to give me another one. But there, there was an excitement and that really, and it's happened every single time. No one's just willy nilly signed the stick. They all want to talk about it, look at it. And so it's, that's been a real nice sidebar. So you have 42 sticks, correct, in your collection? So I, I had 42, Blake, when I um, first bought the collection. And since then, three new players have right. got in the 500 club. So I've had to get uh, Ovechkin's stick, Marion Hosa, and Patrick Martel. And I have, I could tell you the story on that. I did a, do a little background research and realized that there were 45 players, and I did hear that you had 42. Yes. So I was going to ask you about the three. So I'll, I'll be trying to be quick. One of the fun ones was getting Ovechkin. I heard that there was an auction for the Easter Seals 
and it was down at the Royal York Hotel, and the sticks were going to be on auction. My brother told me that Ovechkin's was one of the sticks. They had already started to lay them out during the day. And so I phoned up. They had no tickets left. So I said to the uh, person in charge, can I still go down and bid even if I don't have tickets? And she said, uh, certainly. I'm getting dressed to go down. And there's a knock on my door. And it's actually my future son-in-law. And he's come to the house with a bottle of scotch to say to me and my wife that he's about to ask my daughter to marry him. And so we're all laughing and joyous. And I go, Dante, I love you. But I got to go. <laughs> I got a hockey stick that's waiting for me. And the bidding starts in 20 minutes. I had to leave him. And I went down and I got Obi's stick. And again, the stick just gets people going. I was in line to get a drink at the bar that had my stick. And there's two bartenders. And there's a bunch of people behind me. And the, and the bartender, he says, whose stick is that? And I go, it's Obi's. He goes, can I take a picture? I go, sure. So the two of them, they drop what they're doing, come around the bar, take my stick, Start to flex it a bit too much for my liking <laughs> and took photos. And meanwhile, people are in line going, can we just get a drink here? And, and then Marion Hosa, just briefly, my brother is a journalist with the Ottawa Citizen. And Hosa used to play with a lot. And then he got traded to Chicago. And he Chicago was playing in Ottawa. And Marion, it was near the, I think, second last game of the year. And Hosa had 499. And my, my brother went in the room and he told him about my collection and said, do you think he could have give him a stick. And he said, sure. And so my brother's waiting for him to give it to him. And he said, I'm not in the club yet. I'm not giving, I'm not going to change this. I got to get to 500 before I give him a stick. Right. <laughs> of course, he never, he went back to Chicago and they weren't playing in Ottawa the next year. So it ended up in Ottawa, I went to Chicago. My brother got the trainer for the senators to hook up with the trainer from Chicago and Hosea gave him the stick. They flew it back with the all the equipment, and my brother gave it to me as a Christmas present. So wow, that was. And by the way, I took a. I'm a big hockey. I took a picture of me with the stick, and I sent it to Marion Hosa, and he just sent back a single word. He goes, "Sick." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. That and so that, that's an, another one. And then I think we're still missing one more. That was uh, Patrick Martle, and I didn't get to meet him. I simply bought his online, which you can do. So I don't have as good a story. The stories are so much better. When I think of the players we met, my son has a great story. He went down to get me Phil Esposito stick signed. And when he got up to him, Phil just grabbed it. And he said, he said, hey, have a look at that blade on that stick. And my son looked at it and said, yeah, it's actually pretty big, isn't it? He goes, oh, yeah, it's big. He said, you know what I used to do? He said, my brother, Tony, is a goalie for Chicago Blackhawks. He said, I used to take Tony's uh, goalie stick and I'd shave off the blade, cut it down a bit and put it onto my stick. So he said, <laughs> like it, it's an illegal stick, basically. And he goes, only got caught twice. Only got caught twice in my lifetime. So There was always speculation on certain players uh, about yeah. them having illegal sticks, illegal curves, yeah. too much curve in the stick and so on and so forth. So I do remember that. Well, how do you, you know, acquire most of these sticks? Is it online or is it at fan shows? Or the, the 42 I got in the one big auction. So it's only been the three. And I, I do, now as far as the autographs, yeah, I keep my eye open for when these players are coming to town. And of course, this is pre-COVID, but one of the sad stories for me is the, the first 10 sticks in the you'll see on the wall are all the old wooden ones. 
and I've been able to get them all autographed except the guy who's my favorite player, and that's Stan Makita. And I had talked to one of the houses in, in Toronto that sponsors these autograph sessions, and he assured me that Stan would be coming to town in the next year. Of course, Stan got this form of Alzheimer's is just brutal, and he died within a year. He's my only of the original 10, starting with the rocket and going down to Guy Lafleur. They're all autographed except Stan the Man. I have to do something about that. Now, I was over to see your collection about a year or so ago, and one thing I noticed is most of them, most of the sticks are name brand, but I remember you showing me the Rocket Richard stick, and I think it was from a sports store in Montreal. Yeah, you know, isn't that phenomenal, Cameron D? So on the stick, it says Raymond Hardware Limited. So it's a sport, it's a little sporting goods store. And Cameron, I think you noticed with me that the Rockets stick, the tape is, there's a lot of tape on that stick. It's really tightly done. It's almost, in my, in my estimation, done so that the stick won't break. Back then, I don't think you were, had all these sticks so that you could just really, really, you know, break one, grab another one. And if you look at the earlier guys with their sticks, there's a lot of tape on them. Probably only got a set number from the, uh, the management. And after that, yeah. you pay for your own. Yeah, and you you might remember, Cameron, when you were here, that back then, there was only two stick suppliers. So if you played for a Canadian team, you had to have a CCM stick. And if you played for an American team, it had to be Northland. So you, you can see on my the, those sticks, they just alternate between Northland and CCM, depending on which team they played for. Are there any more coming up, do you think? I haven't followed hockey in, in a couple of years, but... Are there any more players right now with 490 or 495 that you expect you'll be looking to get their stick soon? There are a couple. I think Sid Crosby for sure will make it. He's at 462. Someone like Kolachuk or Eric Stahl, they're they're like 440 around that area, but they're getting old. So yeah. you can see you if you're over 400 and you're not in your you know still in your 30s, for example. Steve Stamkos is at 4.22. Yeah, he's a. I think he's a bit of a lock, and so is Sid. But the thing is, and this is how you keep a, a marriage going: is <laughs> I've agreed to stop at 50. So okay. I think if I could get the first 50 players to have game use stick in the 500 club, that would be a pretty good thing to hand down to a few generations. So that's my plan. For sure. Now, pre-COVID, you you almost like a tour guide. I must say that Tom's got a nice basement set up with sticks all in nice cases and with the names on them and everything like that. How many people do you think have been through that basement on tour? I'd say I've given at least 40 tours. I'm just trying to think of all my neighbors that have come in, all my hockey buddies, all my baseball buddies, my kids and all their friends, a couple of neighborhood groups. I've had hundreds of people through here and to be honest, I never get tired of it. The part of it is everyone that comes has a story themselves. It's, it's quite remarkable that Canada is a big country, but comes to hockey, everybody sort of knows a player through. I had one guy come in and he made it as far as I think it was Junior B and he was in the Detroit um, system. And I showed him Gordy Howe stick. And then he says, every type of Gordy Howe's underwear. And I go, what are you talking about Gordy Howe's underwear? He goes, I was... 
trying out for this camp. And back then, I guess they cleaned the long johns for all the players and kept them and just kept using them over and over. And he said they handed him some long johns to put on and he could see in the back and the thing, it said, Gordy Howe. And he says, so he says, I never made it to the NHL, but I, I wore Gordy Howe's underwear. Almost everybody that comes by will have, if not a personal story, a story of maybe their father just loved. My father-in-law was a Frank Mahavlich fan. And I've got, by the way, Frank Mahavlich is the only, every stick has the player's name pretty much in type along the the shaft so that the trainer could see it if they need to grab the stick quickly or certainly their number. And Frank's the only one that has his nickname and it actually says the big M. I took a picture of my father-in-law holding Frank's stick and people have a connection with these players and the stick is a a personal connection. So I I think that really, people are kind of getting into that. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think in some senses, you're doing a great service to hockey fans by maintaining this collection. And of course, the stories that go along with it. As you were talking, I was thinking back on my own childhood. And my grandfather was a huge hockey fan. He was the coach of the Allen Cup team, the first Allen Cup team. Ah. And he, one of his best pals was Carl Brewer. So as a boy, Carl Brewer used to come over on Sundays for tea and and spend time with us as a family. And that was a neat thing. Red Kelly was also a great friend of his and a friend of my family's. So I saw him quite a bit as well. So yeah, you're right. As you tell the stories, it begets other stories. I had some questions. These are weird questions, but are there more right or left-handed 500 goal scores? Oh, that's a that's a very good question. There's slightly more on the right. I, I, I haven't done the count lately, but I think it's 24 to 19 or something like that. More the right-handed. Or the right-handed. That's interesting. And as you mentioned, and I didn't realize this, that in the early days that you had to either have a Northland stick or a CCM stick. Yeah. When did that change? And so at my first question is, when did that change? And the second one is, when you look across your collection, because I, I gather this has probably opened up and there's a lot more brands, What is there one brand that is the preferred brand or the brand that's used most by your uh, 500 goal scores? It's really changed over the years. After the Northland and the CCMs, I, we're starting to get some coho. We're pretty big when I look at and some Victoriavilles and Sherwoods, which are all names that your listeners might remember when we were growing up were pretty common. And then we moved into Easton's as is pretty popular. And of course, the other thing is it depends when I got their sticks. So some of them, it could be late in their career. It could be earlier in their career. Like the Timu Solani, who he has a, a Titan and I met him and when he was so excited and he went on a rampage talking so everyone could hear about the joys of the wooden stick. And because he later on the careers, they all switched. But this one, his stick that I have here, he says from my rookie year, a rookie year in which he scored 75 goals. And he was oh wow, 20% there after, you know, his first year. So it, it does change quite a bit. I love Gretzky's stick. It's, an, it's aluminum and he's got called the Joffy stick at the top. And it's a sticky material that the, your hand would stick to when you're carrying it. And I didn't realize... I always thought the knob at the end of the stick was to keep your hand from sliding off. Mm-hmm. But the truth is it was invented. So if, when players were losing their stick on the ice, 
with their gloves, they could pick it up easier. That's the kind of thing I was just read about when I was reading about the Jaffe thing. The sticks become uh, a conduit for trying to learn other things. Another example I love is Pat Verbeek, who people marvel at who is in the 500 club. I mean, of course, the big names are there, but some, someone like Peter Bonder, who knew that? But anyway, Pat Verbeek, the knob on his stick is humongous. And so I started reading about him. Uh, first thing I read is he's the only person in the 500 club that has over 2,500 minutes in penalties. He literally <laughs> spent 50 games or so in the penalty box. And I, I sort of was jokingly saying, well, he was a bit of a knob. So maybe that's why he's got the big knob. And <laughs> when I read about it, when he was a young kid, he was at his grandparents' farm and his hand got caught in one of the tractors and his thumb literally got cut off. And they took his thumb went to the hospital and they put it back on, sewed it back on, but he never really had the feeling in that hand. And so he put the big knob on the end of the stick through his whole career, just so his hand wouldn't slide off the top. Isn't that it's, interesting? Cameron, you may remember when you were here, it's very noticeable when you see all the yeah. stuff lined up uh, that we got his. Um, Tom, I noticed that you wear gloves on. Uh, you put on uh, gloves when you show them. Yeah, so I when I got the collection... I phoned the Hockey Hall of Fame because I was concerned about how to keep them. I, I really, I didn't buy these to make a quick sale. I, I bought to keep it and hopefully hand it down. And so I, I was concerned about how to keep them in good shape. And they said, there's three things that can really hurt your sticks. Number one is sunlight. And I'm in the basement, so I'm good. Number two is humidity. So I, I have a dehumidifier. But he said, the number one thing it's going to hurt your sticks is people handling it from the oil from their hands. And on a lot of the autographs, the autograph is right near the top of the shaft. And for example, Gordy Howe's, I can barely read it. And I know why it's because people handle it so much. So I, I know it sounds silly, but I have these gloves. I'm not so worried about the, the Easton's and the aluminums, but those original 10, they're all the old wooden ones. I, I like people handling the sticks because they, it's unlike the Hockey Hall of Fame, which I went down to to try to get some ideas. I don't have this behind glass. I go, my idea wasn't to have a collection that we can stare at. My idea was that if if you love Bobby Hull, then hold a stick. And but you got to wear the gloves. They understand that for sure. Yeah, that's. I, I guess in any kind of collection, you do have to take precautions because, in in, in a sense, you're a historian <laughs> uh, for the game. I only made one exception, and this is. True story, bittersweet story, but when, when the article appeared in the Toronto Star, about three weeks later, I got this call from a woman, and she was nervous on the phone saying, are you the guy that has the hockey stick collection? I said, yes, I am. And she said, oh, because that collection used to belong to my dad. I go, oh, really? And then she starts, I won't go into all the detail, but starts to tell the story about the two brothers that collected these sticks originally, and how one of the brothers got deathly ill, died, and his partner, without informing the other brother, sold the sticks at a very cheap price to someone who turned around and put them on this auction site. So I didn't know what to say to her. And she says, I said, how does he feel about me? He goes, oh, he's so pleased to see that the person that bought the sticks is taking care of them. He's showing them to people. He's having fun with them. He's respectful. He said, he's bittersweet. And then I wait and then she goes, do you think he could come and see them? And I go, of course. So the guy that originally he came to see me and he brought in all these photos from the Habs and the autographed pictures he left me. He's just a 
prince of a guy. But at one point, he goes and he grabs the rocket stick. And I'm thinking, I don't think I'm going to tell him to put the gloves on. That's okay. So he grabs the rocket stick, and he's holding it. And he got really emotional. I, I could see him. I thought he was going to cry. Mm. And I go, you okay? He goes, when I hold the rocket stick, I feel my brother. He said, I can't explain it to you. And then he just put it back on the rack. And I, I almost gave him the collection back. I was feeling so bad. But he was really, he loved what I'd done here. He was all for it. And he, we left it that if he ever wants to come back again and see it, or bring his buddies, he can. That was really kind of gave me the whole loop. Sure. Closing loop on getting this collection. Oh, that's fascinating. And I, I, when I was looking through the list of 500 goal scorers and the teams that they were on when they, I guess, when they scored the 500 goals, or I, I'm assuming that's what it was, there are not many Toronto Maple Leafs on that list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a very astute observation. We have Matt Sundin. Yes. And Matt Sundin, by the way, is the longest stick in the collection. I thought it would be Mario Lemieux or Manderchuk, but it's Matt. So, yeah, it's there's some people who you might associate as being a Leaf, like the, like the Big M, but he wasn't when he got it. You think of Lanny McDonald. Of course, yeah. Good story on Lanny. He ended up his career at exactly 500, and it was the end of the season, and he was stuck at 499, and I think he went five or six games. And I remember reading that for those games, the players were feeding him the puck all night long. They wanted him to get to 500, and finally he gets the gold. And then I read an interview later, the next year he's being interviewed and saying, do you feel bad that you didn't get over 500? You just got 500. And he just looked at the reporter. He said, I'm in the club. So, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I hope you can come and see it one day because Cameron noted that Along with the sticks, I have these printouts at the top that my wife designed. They're beautiful. And on it, it has the player's name, the team he scored it with, but and the year and the career goals. But the stats, the most interesting is how many games it took them to get 500. You can argue night and day who's the best player ever, but Wayne Gretzky scored 500 goals in 575 games. That is so off the charts. And then you look at someone like, say, Ron Francis, and he took 1,533 games. But they're all in the club. But someone like Ron Francis never had a 40-, 50-year season, season, but he yeah. always had 30. And if you play long enough, you might get there. So it's it's a special club. I, I remember reading about Johnny Busick, who, when he got there, his line mates gave him a, a little chain to put around his neck that says he's in the 500 club. And he says that's the most precious thing he was ever given. He, he felt... It was his linemates were part of it, and it, it means something to these guys to be in this club. Yeah, that was, uh, boy, that's a name of the, from the past. I hadn't thought about Johnny Busick in a long time. Mm-hmm. But you're right, and I, I actually have the stats in front of me at the moment, and you're right, I, I hadn't really looked at how many games it took them to do it, but it's sure irrefutable that Wayne Gretzky was something something else and in a class by himself yeah. at 575. And then Mario Lemieux, I think is, it looks like he was the next, got there the next quickest of the group. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I really, I really appreciate you sharing not only the history of your collection, but all the stories surrounding it. And as I say, I think you're, you're, you're a historian, you're maintaining something that has historical value and certainly for all hockey fans, but for the sport itself, I'm going to ask you just as we come to the end of this interview, but I'm going to ask you to look into your crystal ball. I know Cameron asked you about uh, who are, who are close to that 500 mark, but when you look out of the field of hockey right now, who do you think will be 500 goal scorers by the time their career ends? I don't know if I could do five. I say in terms of the order, Sid, for sure. Stamkos, for sure. Patrick Kane, I think will make it for the Hawks. There's no doubt Connor McDavid and those type of players will make it, but they have a, a long way to go. The other guy might sneak in, I would say, is Malcolm. who's I think he's just over 400, and he's playing with Crosby, so... I think he's got a shot at it. So they would be my, I'd like to see someone like Eric Stahl get in there, but number one, I'd say, yeah, go with Sid. To, to be honest, I've actually, I don't know if this jinxes it, Blake or not, but I've already got Stamco's stick. <laughs> I, saw it, I saw it at an auction at a really good price. And I said, I would never do this, but that's how sure I am about him. But then, you know what? We can talk like that. And then, Crosby is one concussion away from maybe the end of his career. Stamkos didn't play much this playoffs. You can be really close. Glenn Anderson ended up at 498 or something, 499. I don't think, you can't say it's a sure thing, but if you're saying crystal balling it, there's the players that come to mind. I have another Stan Makita too as well. Someone who gets ill or something like that early on. That's right. That's right. So everybody thinks Bobby Hall developed the curve stick. The true story is Stan, the man, was the Hawks had finished their practice and Stan was the last guy to leave the ice. And he was at, on the player's bench and he swung the door shut and the, his stick got stuck in the door and it bent his blade. And he went over the ice and he was kind of mad and he just slapped at a, at a puck. And the puck, he couldn't believe it. The puck went up and then it started to dip. So he did it again, and he did it again. And then he goes in the dressing room, and he sits beside Bobby Hall and goes, Bobby, you won't believe what I just happened. So then Bobby goes out, and then Bobby decides, wow. And he starts to curve his stick intentionally. And that's how it started. It, wasn't, it was just by accident. That's a great story. And of course, Bobby Hall, you're right, had the reputation of inventing the curved stick. And I think he was one of Correct. the players that might have been accused of having an illegal curve on his stick. I think I remember that as a boy. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, I'm sure he did. But he certainly became famous for that slap shot. The other thing we've, we learned from the sticks is how they autograph it. And my best example is Jean Beliveau, who I defy you to find any time Jean Beliveau ever signed an autograph that it wasn't just perfect of all the autographs I'll, I'll put it up for your site it's it's just it's a work of art it's perfectly done he puts a little line underneath his name puts the number four and if you think of Jean Beliveau classy guy that even all through his career he had his name and phone number in the phone book in Montreal and you could phone Jean Beliveau so in some ways the autograph itself says something about the person, I think. Yeah, that's interesting. Tom, I mean, I really appreciate, again, your time today, and, and I think your stories are absolutely fascinating, and I will come and see your collection once I'm able to fly again, but I, I would really enjoy that, so I, I do thank you for I'd that. love to have you guys over. Bring your friends. We might have some cold drinks. You never know. It could be a lot of fun. That sounds like a plan.
As soon as this stupid uh, COVID is over, we'll yeah. do that. No kidding. I, I miss the tours. It's crazy. Maybe I'll do virtual ones. I don't know. But it's fun for me to be able to talk sticks again, so I really appreciate the opportunity. This concludes our final episode of For What It's Worth in the Space in Between for 2020. We're going to take a bit of a break over the holidays, but we'll be back January 7th for the next episode of For What It's Worth. I'd like to take this opportunity on behalf of the entire podcast team, Cameron Brown, myself, Allison Davies, and Rowan Melnick, to thank our amazing guests for sharing their passions and insights with us on the show. We really appreciate your commitment. And finally, I'd like to thank you, our audience, for listening in, providing feedback, and helping us grow the show. We're really looking forward to 2021 and the fantastic new episodes we have in store for you. So on behalf of all of us, I'd like to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Stay safe, enjoy time with the family, and who knows, maybe we'll drop an episode of The Space in between now and January 7th. That just never.